When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, the author of Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast was inspired when we created it, now going towards two plus years ago. And Lisa Gorge, my friend and producer of this podcast since we began it, is alongside as well. Lisa, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you too. We wow, are be- it's been, yeah. Between the holidays Three years for us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Three. I mean, we're entering our third year. That's excellent. Well, uh, some things have changed. Some things have not. Some things have really changed. When we began the podcast, (laughs) we weren't talking about COVID. It wasn't part of our lives. And as much Mm -hmm. as we talked about what was important in life and uh, the lessons you learn as you go along, uh, we had to kind of adapt Things yep. that Maury shared with me uh, during our time back in 1995 to 2020, 2021, where the issues were quite different. And in a, in a minute, we're going to talk about the subject of today's podcast, which is conquering the fears that we had in 2021 as we head into 2022. A very interesting list of the top fears of Americans mm. During the past year, I think you might be surprised as to what led the list and, and what was further down. And we're going to talk about fear because I think fear is probably the most commanding emotion that we have in our lives today. Uh, I suppose if you went back in time, it always would be. I think even back in the caveman days, yeah, everything was oriented around fear, you know, fear of animal attack, fear of the unknown yep. from the uh, the skies. Fight and, and flight, fight or flight. Fight or flight, right. We're oriented around that. And I guess we're wired to respond to our fears. But now that our fears have become so sophisticated, sometimes we're creating fears where there, where there wasn't any before. Uh, so we're going to yeah. talk about that in a minute. But you had an interesting thing that you were mentioning to me before we started the podcast. And I thought it was worth, um, I thought it was worth bringing up again. Share it with our audience. Well, aside from my booster and that fear, or um... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there was that, I and mean, you can start with that. It's all tied together. <laughs> okay. Well, first, I got my booster shot yesterday, and uh, you know, I'm not an anti-vaxer. I, I believe in medicine, right? But I am an anti-pill taker. Like I, whenever my doctor gives me pills to take, I get super scared of side effects because you know. Speaking of fears, this this all goes into fear. You know, when you see all those commercials on TV, when they're like, here is this uh, new pill for you to take, then they're like, but you might experience nausea and vomiting and, uh, you know, blah, 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 right. blah. Then they go like on those for commercials like... that they show on uh, <laughs> uh, during daytime television where they're yes. 60, sec- 60 seconds long. The first 10 seconds are like a woman and a and a and a puppy. 
And yes. then, and then uh, the next are uh, that same woman holding her forehead and looking very sad, and and uh, yes. watching other people have a good time, and they start talking about um, you, you know how you feel bad and and life isn't going good the way you want it, and you should take this medication. And then uh, when they bring the puppy back. And good things start happening again. You get that voice that says, "Do not take if you have ever had a heart attack, yeah. stroke, or it can cause cancer, can lead to death." And some if you notify a doctor as soon as you, it's going so fast. All the rest, and then at the very end, they come back and say, "You know, so if you want to feel good, take the drug." And they just yeah, laid know, out twenty-five seconds of deadly consequences. Exactly, and you're supposed to not even think about those things. That's exactly my problem. So that's where this problem lies. Anytime I put anything into my body that I'm uncertain of, that's never been in my body before, I spend the next three days waiting for the other shoe to drop. So um, that's kind of where I am today. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a little achy. Oh my gosh, what does that mean? You know, oh, mm -hmm. I'm getting a little nauseous. Uh oh. Then I, then I, I want to go online. You're pregnant. And read the, <laughs> I, yeah, that would be that would be a real Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Mary, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, that's where I am today. I'm, I'm like, why am I feeling these aches, and what does it mean? And uh, you know, I just get scared. So. You know, so and I'm tired of feeling like this, which is leading into what we're talking about today right, in your right. fear thing. Yeah. And I said next year, this is what I told you is next year for 2022. I'm trying to find ways to like take back the reins. You know what I mean? To like have a little more control in my life. Because yep. I think with fear comes lack of control. Like we 100%. all feel like we don't we don't have any control over anything anymore. And right. I do. In fact, not that's one of well. the great fears is losing control. That in and of oh, itself is, it? is a fear. Yeah. 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 So I feel, I really feel this. I felt this great lack of control. So my 2022 resolution, if it's not really a resolution, it's a plan, is to just try to one by one conquer all these issues and, and take back my own personal reins. Mm. So I'm not mm. scared anymore. So with all this, this fear of putting stuff in your body, but you, you had the vaccination already obviously yes. and then you went out yes. and got boosted which yes. isn't mandatory i know it's suggested by the president and it was not it's not mandatory yet uh and and yet you did it anyhow so why'd you do it okay well here's a couple reasons um first of all i got the johnson and johnson the one and done right and i thought right. i was being really smart then all kinds of things started happening around that speaking of fears and, and I thought, oh, I never want to get one of these again. Okay, like I'm done. Then they come up with this booster. And I don't know what's happening in Michigan or the rest of the country, but in California, restaurants, you know, uh, theaters, stuff like that are requiring not only vaccinations now, but boosters. Wow. And we were invited to a Christmas Eve party uh, and... The on the, the the they sent an update out saying now because of this new Omicron thing, um, we're requiring everybody not to just be vaccinated but to be boosted as well. <gasps> and then I felt like this sense of being shunned because I'm not one of the boosted, right? Or I wow. wasn't one of the boosted. Yeah. So that night I said, you know what? I'm going to go get boosted. Not necessarily to go to the party because we didn't even go to the party because I was afraid of picking something up there anyway, right? But <laughs> okay. I, d I didn't want to ever be on the shun list 
for not being boosted. So I went and got boosted just so I don't ever have to be put in that predicament. Now I feel like, oh, I'm complete, but I really didn't want to have to do it. Like, I'm like, there's a funny meme going around that says something like, um, we're now in our 24th variant and I've got my 56th booster. When is this going to stop or something like that? And <laughs> yeah. the guy looks like he's from The Walking Dead, you know? <laughs> right. Like, that's like, our future it, tweet. That's our future. So so this is a good topic with all these fears because I don't think it's going to stop or is it? Hmm. Well, I don't think the virus is going to stop, but I do think that the fears can stop. And that's what we're going to talk about today because... I, I do think it is a little bit different now, uh, the way that people are reacting to COVID now at the end of 2021 versus the way they reacted at the beginning of 2020. Remember, at the beginning of 2020, people literally locked themselves inside, inside their houses. They, they literally, yes, they were wearing masks and cr- on the opposite side of the street when they were from one another. Yeah. They, they, they oh literally gosh. kept their distance, even a, even a glancing, you know, you couldn't even walk past anybody. They, they made sure there was six foot distance. We don't do yeah. that anymore. We don't do that no. anymore. And then the virus Washing is still groceries. out there. Washing, washing groceries when washing, they came Washing house. boxes when they were delivered to your house. Yeah. Uh, you know, wiping them down, not opening them for three days, leaving them out in the sun. You know, uh, there were the, the places like the New York Times were writing stories about how to really wash your hands correctly. You know, yeah. as, if, as if you need the New York Times to tell you how to wash your hands. So we're not it's that funny. fearful now of no. the very same virus that we've been dealing with for all this time. There are many, many people who who seem to have the attitude of just, whatever, this Omicron's out there, I, I got my vaccination, I'm not going to die from it. If I get it, it'll be a, it'll be a cold or whatever, and it's just like the flu. And, and they're going about their business, at least here in the Midwest and here in Michigan, going about their business without, they're, they're not being dumb, they're not you know uh, breathing on top of everybody's nostrils just to prove a point, but they're not worrying about, am I 10 feet apart from the person at the supermarket in front of me? Or heaven forbid, you know, they turn their head in my direction. I'm going to, you know, to turn around, turn around, stop breathing at me. It's not oh, like boy. that. But <laughs> the fears still are there. So let me share with you the top 10 fears of Americans in 2021. It's according to the American Fear Index at a site called safehome.org. And you would think safehome.org the most feared event would be a house break-in, but it isn't. It's uh, not even yeah, on the list. Right? Not even on the list. Oh. The number 10, I'll work it down from 10. Number 10 biggest fear, widespread civil unrest. That obviously comes oh. from some of the protests that have happened over the course of the last year yeah. and a half. Number nine, high medical bills. Number oh. eight, hate crimes. Number seven, mm-hmm. number seven on the list Becoming terminally ill. Oh. Only number seven. You'd, you'd think that would be number seven. one these days. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'd be number one for me, I think. Well, maybe uh-huh. number two, and I'll tell you why. what would be number one. Number six, government corruption. Number six. Ah, government corruption. That's been around since uh, the yeah. Roman times. Mm-hmm. I don't think there were. Uh, number five, terrorism. Okay. Number five, terrorism. Number four, now here we get down to the nitty gritty. Number four, not having enough money for retirement. Oh my God, that's the top of my list. Number three, mass shootings. Oh, uh-huh. Number three, mass shootings. 
And number two and one were tied into one another. Number two, loved ones becoming seriously ill. And number one, loved ones dying. Isn't that interesting? The number one fear is that our loved ones are going to die. And the number two fear is that our loved ones will become ill. The number seven fear is that we will become terminally ill. Oh, boy. What's wrong with me that I chose myself over my loved ones? Well, I think you're more normal. I think you're more normal than the people who answered this poll. I think the people who answered this poll wanted to make themselves look good and say they were worried about I'm feeling a little selfish now. Well, (laughs) I think- I'm more worried about myself. You can at least be number three. You can worry about your loved ones dying, (laughs) your loved ones becoming ill, and then yourself dying versus mass shootings. (laughs) I mean, mass shootings are- uh, they're, they're horrific, and we can't say, we can't even put into words what it's like to be even here in Oxford, Michigan, which just happened just up the road from us. Yeah. I mean, the state is still reeling from that. Uh, but mass shootings, let's be honest, don't affect an overwhelming majority of the people in this country. They're still limited yeah. as much as they make headlines. They're still limited when you consider the 330 million plus people who are here. On the other one, on the other hand, loved ones dying, that affects everybody. Loved ones becoming yeah. seriously ill, which precedes dying in many cases, um, that affects everybody too. And becoming terminally yeah. ill is something that people worry about far more. It's going to happen to far more people than mass shootings. So what can we do about this? Well, here's the, here's the irony of it. Maury and I talked about fears. And at first he talked about a fear of death that we can see in these number one, number two, and number seven. Well, really, uh, number one, number two, number three, and some other ones. Fear of death. And he recognized that this is a huge part of society. And he also recognized that he having already been diagnosed with a terminal illness, was kind of on the opposite side of this fear now. Listen. There is this tremendous fear of death, I think, in our society. You know the book by Ernest Becker, The Denial of Death. Right. Right. It's a very, I think, potent book. So that's the reason you don't do things. Underneath is that fear. Or fear of shame, you know, a lot of other things. Fear of being seen as a fool, fear of being condemned as as a wicked person, or a, or a person who doesn't understand. Right. Lots of things get in our way right. to inhibit us from. And do you think that you've lost a lot of those fears in the last? I think so. Yeah. And it's liberating. Absolutely, it is very liberating. That's again that tension of opposites. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, I'm dying. On the other hand, I'm liberated. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have to go together, it seems. Mm-hmm. Or at least they did. Mm-hmm. So, here I am, liberated to the end, so to speak. That's a fascinating, fascinating analysis in that last couple of sentences. The tension of opposites. On the one yeah. hand, I'm dying, but on the other hand, I'm liberated of yeah. the fear of dying. He now... Yeah faces it, he recognizes, I don't have a choice here. It's going to happen. Have you ever, remember when you were a kid, which was worse when you were in school? When you did something and you were wondering if the teacher would find out about it, Mm -hmm. i.e. the fear of being caught, 
or once you got caught, the actual punishment that you were going to have to endure. Wasn't it always Mm -hmm. easier to just sort of sit there and have them tell you what the punishment was than to worry about whether they knew or not, or whether they're going to find out or not, or whether somebody was going to tell them or not? I remember an incident, and it's funny how things stay with you in the course of your life. There is no reason for this incident to stay with me for what has to be now 50 plus years unless it burned something in my psyche so much that I can recall it as if it just happened yesterday. Now, I'll tell you what it is, and then you'll listen and ask yourself, well, why does this stay with you, Mitch? I was maybe, I think I was in fourth grade, third or fourth grade. So what is that, eight or nine, something like that, 10, Mm -hmm. nine, 10. We were given a Christmas, it was Christmas time, and we were in a Christmas play, and they gave us these instruments to practice with, and we took them home. And my instrument was a, uh, it was like a two sticks of some kind that you click together, right? Uh-huh. I think you, you hit the stick against a block. I, at home, was practicing that night, and I hit the stick against a block, and it broke. Oh. Stick broke. Now, I was so worried about that the trouble that I would get in for having broken this. Oh, my god. And I goodness. did not tell my parents what happened. I got glue, oh. and I glued it back together. I did not sleep that whole night. Ah. Oh. Didn't sleep the whole night. Went into oh. school shaking, holding oh. this, this thing that I had glued together, hoping that... The teacher wouldn't find out. And then we did the practice. We did the rehearsal. And I think it broke again while I was rehearsing. Obviously, I didn't glue it very well. Mm -hmm. And I panicked. And the teacher saw that it was broken. And she just came over. And she took it. And she looked at it. And she said, all right, well, we'll get another one. Uh And they gave me another one. So now this this is not a big incident, right? Yeah. This is in the the spectrum of things that happen to children. There is no reason on earth that I should remember that incident. None. It's not a big deal. It's it's nothing thing. Lisa, when I tell you that I can remember where I was when that thing broke, how scared I was, how going to school that day and how I felt, it's like I'm reliving it. Now maybe oh. I you know, maybe I it was the first time I tried something like that and didn't tell my parents. Maybe that was it. I, yeah. I, I don't know why, but something about the fear of that incident still stays with me. That fear of being caught. Yeah. Not when it actually happened. I wasn't when it broke in front of the teacher. I wasn't that afraid. I was way more afraid the night before. Yeah. Why? Because it's already happened. It's done. There's nothing you can well, do and- about it. Right. Once it happens, it there's happened nothing in, you can do about it. Yeah, when it happened in front of her, it's more like, oh, well, she can see that it just broke. But when it right. happened at your house, you might have been feared, well, like she might have thought that I did something really bad. And did to make something this way worse than you know? Didn't yeah, believe me. Yeah, mess, yeah. I was messing around or whatever. But the point is that the fear stays with me. That is Aww, the kind of in, indelible mark that fear makes on us. It literally. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure if there was some way that they could measure on our brains. And maybe there is, because they say, you know, every little wrinkle in your brain is some kind of 
thought or event or something that happened, the trauma yeah. that they can measure in your brain goes back to, you know, when you were a kid. It actually physically shows up in scans on your brain. Dr. Daniel Amen, who we had on with us, a brilliant, brilliant uh-huh. guy, brilliant psychologist who specializes in the brain, they, they can analyze traumas from 30, 40 years ago that are still there oh, wow. on your brain. And fear, of course, causes it the most. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. Here's Maury saying, once I kind of can't do anything about it, I'm liberated. Mm -hmm. I'm liberated. Well, how can we apply that to our everyday lives? If we accept certain things as inevitable, we are all going to die at some point. Some of us may last longer. Some may not last as long. But in the end, we are all going to meet the same fate. Beginning with that, if we can actually teach ourselves, and this is a huge, huge undertaking. This is not something that you're going to listen to a podcast and say, oh, well, I'm done. Magic podcast cured me. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast can begin you on your way, but you have to practice it and practice it. If we can actually get to the point where we really accept that life is finite and we're not going to be here forever, and we accept that. We don't, it's a big difference between accepting it and reading about it, believing that it's true. You know, you can believe that the stars that you see in your astronomy book are real. You can believe that the moon looks like the moon looks like by the pictures that we have now taken or whatever, but it's not the same as being on the moon, right? Big difference. You can believe. You can think in your mind, we're all going to die. But that's not the right. same as accepting it. Yeah. It isn't. Big, big difference. If it were, nobody would be afraid to die. We all know that the sun is going to go down at the end of the day. And none of us worry about it. Back in a primitive time, people worried about when the sun went down, it wasn't going to come back up again. And they used to have to pray to the dark god or the moon god to, to, to let, it, let, the, let the sun god come out. Literally, they prayed to the moon god to let wow. the sun god come out. They prayed to the sun god to let the moon god come out. That kind of thing. Because they, to, could, they didn't understand what was happening. And they didn't really accept yeah. the fact that, okay, we understand astronomy. We understand the planets. So when the sun goes down, we don't worry about it coming back up in the morning the next morning. Right? We t- it's part of life. But it's still gone. Just know. Yeah, but it's still right. gone. We ex- more than we know, Lisa. We accept, we accept mm-hmm. because it's still gone. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a belief that it's coming back. But with that belief is unshakable in us. Everybody on the planet yeah. knows it's coming back up. So does it's anybody? Been right? Does anybody worry about it? No, because we accept it. No, but we are not that way about our own mortality. We understand we don't know what's it, happen. but we yeah. don't accept it. We rail against it. We fight against it. We think they're going to invent a pill that's going to keep us all alive many more years before, just before we die. How many of you out there have done this little exercise about, well, gosh, they say that, you know, every 10 years in science, 
it, it, these days is like a hundred years, you know, a century ago, and the things that they develop, and and it probably within ten years, within twenty years, they'll increase life expectancy up to a average age of one hundred and five or one hundred and ten. How many of you have done that math on yourself, saying, okay, well, let me see, I'm I'm forty seven, so I have. Uh, I have in 10 years, I'll only be 57, then they'll invent something that'll enable me to be like 120, and then that'll give me like 40 more years. By that time, they'll probably have something to 190, and I'll be able to I'll just keep, you know, I'll keep being young enough that they'll invent stuff that I'll keep going, right? We do that I'll exercise in our brains. Yeah. All, all to try to tell ourselves that we're not going to die. But if we began by accepting, okay, this is a finite life, this is a finite life, what, what Maury said, if we really accept that, then you don't need a terminal illness to be liberated in your thought process. When you see people who really live life to its fullest, who take the trips when they get the urge, who make the friendships when the friendships are there mm -hmm. to be had, who celebrate and remember the people in their lives at every turn, uh, who don't fill up their time with things like video games and 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 long long form television shows that eat up and suck up their time, you know, who 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 love learning uh, and love experiencing things. And you talk to them and you say, you know, what what makes you how you are? And they say, well, I I know that life is short, and I really want to live it. And that's a cliche, but but it's a really true cliche. And yeah. when you see people like that, these are people who have really accepted and have faced down that fear of our mortality and have said, here's how we fight that fear. Mm -hmm. We make the absolute most out of every day that we have. That's how yeah. you fight that fear. You make mm -hmm. the real most of every day you have because you know that they're limited. We all know this exercise. Lisa, if I said to you, Lisa, I got it on great authority, and I know you trust me. You have eight days left in your life. Oh, geez. You do not want to spend those eight days weeping and crying and weeping and crying. You might weep and yeah. cry when you get the news, but then you're gonna, there'll be part of you that will say, it's, it's really, I got eight days. I'm going to do this. 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 I'm going to you know, see this person and be with this person and spend time with uh, you know, I'm going to have, we're going to eat this meal and we're going to do this. And we're going to do that. It's like when I asked Maury about his perfect day and he went through all the things that he wanted to do in yeah. his, a perfect day. But why wouldn't you do that? If suddenly I said, oops, I was wrong. You don't have eight days left. You have 80 years left. Why yeah. wouldn't you still do those same things that you did in those last eight days? Aren't they the things yeah, you want to be doing? Because right. we don't think about it. it right. We've said that before. It could happen right. in an instant. Right. You we know, don't accept We it. don't know. Right. We have no idea. And this I mean, fear, I think about fear of death, this fear of mortality yeah. is what keeps us from living the life in many cases that we ought to be living. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, I think two of my biggest fears of dying are, oh my gosh, what would my dogs do? And that might hmm. sound silly, but I guess people probably have the same thought about if they have small children, you know, right. somebody that's depending on them, you know? Right. And then two, how do I clean all this crap up that I have so that nobody else has to do it for me when uh, I'm gone? Okay. <laughs> I would spend my that last That one might eight be unique days. to you. Yeah. If I really had eight days, I'd be like, oh, Lord, I'd be in here with boxes and, you know, markers <laughs> and tape. 
<laughs> I would spend my last eight days cleaning up cleaning, my mess. So no one had to clean up a mess for you. Right. Uh, that's a well, whole other issue. So let's talk about these number one and number two. Now that we've talked about the fear of death itself, let's talk about number one and number two fears. Period. Fear of loved ones dying and fear of loved ones becoming seriously ill. So I'm sure a lot of this has to do with COVID. Maybe these ones were number one or number two anyhow. But in COVID, I think the loved ones becoming seriously ill really shoots to the top because uh, many cases we're talking about our parents or our older mm-hmm. relatives or older loved ones. And, you know, there is a chance that this thing could just be caught and suddenly they could die. There is a chance that this can be caught and they could become seriously ill. We face that. There are 800,000 yeah. or so Americans who have died. Yeah, this and many, many more who've become, who have been ill and thankfully were able to recover. But what's interesting to me is how do you combat this fear? A lot of people think that the way to combat the fear of loved ones dying is to overcompensate in being protective. Make mm-hmm. sure mom doesn't go out anywhere. Make sure nobody comes over to visit. Make sure your kids have no exposure to any other kids. Don't go to school. Don't have anybody come over who is uh, uh, who could possibly be transmitting something or another. In other words, yeah. the fear of dying, the fear of loved ones dying or loved ones becoming ill leads to a pattern as if basically there is nothing, a binary equation, there is nothing else in the world except living or dying. Yeah. Living or dying. Living or being ill. So you that, close yeah. yourself off. You say it's, mo- it's the most important thing is to not have any dangers around. So let's close ourselves off. But I would maintain, again, if you knew a loved one was go- be- going to become ill, if you knew a loved one was going to die, would you want the last days that you spent with them to be isolated, to have nothing to do with them, for them to have no company, for them to have nobody to deal with, for them to have no, who, who would ever want that, right? So mm-hmm. one of the ways that you combat your loved ones dying is ironically actually to spend as much time with them as you can. Spend as much yeah. quality time with them as you can doing the things with them that you most love to do. Why did Maury want me to come every Tuesday? And why did I want to come every Tuesday? It wasn't just for the class that we were taking together. It was because we kind of both knew in the back of our minds that this was going to be a finite experience. And getting to see each other once a week built in the visits that we wanted, I wanted to have selfishly with him, and he wanted to have for probably much less selfish reasons, probably to try to change me, make me better, with me. So mm-hmm. what we did, knowing that he was going to die, was make more time for each other, spend more time with each other. And ironically, in some of the ways, we're, we're worried about illness and dying, but we're spending less and less time with one another. Yeah. Because we're worried about, oh, we might be transmitting something. We don't want to go anywhere because we might catch something. But And so you're, you're, we're living in bubbles. We're living in bubbles worrying yeah, about well, people who are dying or people are going to get sick. Well, the last year of my dad's life, or last two years, because it was all during COVID, I barely got to see him because he was under lockdown. And then we right. weren't traveling, right? Because nobody was going anywhere on airplanes. Right. 
And then uh, I never got to see him. So I so if you that, had those you know, two years back and you knew that that, that was going to be the end, would you have allowed COVID to have robbed you of as much time as it did of seeing him? Oh, no, I would have probably gone to see him, you know, had I known. But I guess, I mean, he was 99. So probably logically, I should have known that this could be it. You know, I may never see him again. Right. Um, but he was in pretty good shape, you know. Right, he could have made it to 101, 103. People do. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he was in good shape leading up to like instead, a few months before he died. COVID ended up robbing you of the very thing that you could have done to make his departure from this earth a little less painful, which would have been to spend yeah. you know every minute in the chances that you did or every minute that you could with him. And this yeah. is you know this is how how what Maury taught me about. If you want to fight death, you want to cheat death, it's it's not in how big your portfolio is. It's in every moment that you spend with a loved one, sharing and giving of yourself and making a memory so that when you're gone, they can remember you and they can hang on to you, not because yeah. the money you left them or anything like that, but because of the memories that you made with them and the time that you had it. Here is uh, Maury expressing again how knowing that he is going to die eliminates some of the most basic fears. Listen. Who can hurt me? How can I get hurt? Whatever you do to me, it's already done. So I can do anything I really want to do that I feel is good without the fear of the consequences. Because the consequences have already been set. So if somebody wants to shoot me because they think you know, I'm saying things that I don't want to hear. What difference does it make? I'm, right. I'm dead a little sooner than I thought I would be. Right. It's the same kind of freedom. So what he's saying here in a weird way is, hmm. once I knew that I was going to die, I stopped worrying about the consequences of everything. And uh, I said what I want to say. I'm not worried about people hurting my feelings. I'm not worried about people hurting me physically. I'm not worried about... Uh, you know, not that Maury would say anything that would cause someone to come in his house and shoot him, but he gave that as an example. And when you can live sort of fearlessly like that, um, it is extremely liberating. I mean, he was able to live a, a lot differently than he did when he was more cautious. And we all should, back to what you said before, because that's all of us. We're all going to die, every single right. one of us. Right. So why aren't all of us feeling that same liberation and living that way? Fear. Huh. Fear. Our yeah. fear. We we fear the very thing that is that is freezing us mm -hmm. because of our fear. Our loved ones dying, our loved ones becoming seriously ill, so we get paralyzed. The best antidote, if you're really worried about your loved ones dying, short of if they obviously if they are in danger of exposure. If they're not supposed to be taken yeah. out in cold weather, if they're not supposed to be anywhere near a hospital breathing, or they could have asthma attacks, or they, they have lung diseases, and they, they shouldn't get in near anybody with COVID or anything. Okay, those are different examples. But other than that, our loved ones who are just, well, we're, we're overly cautious about COVID and how we behave. If you really want to, if your big fear is your loved one's dying, your loved one's becoming seriously ill, the reason you fear that is because you don't want to be in this world without them. You don't mm -hmm. fear the actual act 
of somebody dying or getting a call from the hospital or whatever. You fear what it means. It means the world Mm -hmm. is never going to be the same because they're not there with you. Well, if what your real worry is, is a world where they're not there with you, then you should make this world the most and biggest example of being there with them. You should be spending as much time with them as you can, doing as many great things as you can, making as many memories as you can, going as many places or sharing as many experiences safely as you can. Yeah. That's how you sort of cheat death. That's how you put your chips on immortality. It's in the contacts that you make. In the context that you make. So as we head into 2022, I'm really hopeful that that fear can be put a little bit further in its place. I think we are, I think politicians capitalize on fear. They make speeches about how the other side is going to ruin your country it's amazing because both sides say the exact same thing and they're on such opposite sides. They're going to ruin the country. No, those guys are going to ruin the country. They want to change the country into something different. No, those people want to change the country back to something different. These people privately hate you. No, these people publicly hate you. These people want you to die. No, those people want you to die. They're saying the same things, but they're using fear. Even our own president you know, gets on the television last week and says, if you're not vaccinated, it's going to be a winter of death and illness. It's like, okay. It's not like, this was the, this was just before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> winter of death and illness. Uh, wow. No wonder everybody's afraid. Yeah. So I hope that 2022 enables us to conquer our fears and recognize that sometimes the best way out of fear is to go all the way through it. Go all the mm-hmm. way through it and say, okay, what's the worst case? What's the worst case scenario? How it is? All right, then what would I do differently? Yeah. How, would I, how would I react? And then come back to it. Our friend Dr. Phil had something that he used to say that was similar to this, that was, um, okay, and then what? Or something like that. Right. Okay, so that happens, and then what? And Give then the what? And then scenario. what? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yep. And then if you take yourself down that path, you realize once you get down to the 20th, then what? You're like, oh, well, that's not so bad. Yep. You know, there's so- a form of uh, therapy that involves what, what, you know, you're afraid of something happening or whatever. Instead of talking about, well, why are you afraid of it? And let's get to the bottom of why you're afraid of it and what happened to you when you were four years old that made you afraid of it. There's a form of therapy that, that has you think absolutely about, focus totally on that fear. Think about it. Think about it. Keep thinking about it. And think about the worst thing that can happen. And think about the worst thing that can happen. And there's a series of things that you do physically while you're doing. It. Keep thinking about. It. Think about the worst that can happen. Now think about it again. Think about the worst that can happen. Now again and again. Think about it. And what they have noticed happens is it starts to lose its sting. It starts to lose its terror. Uh huh. The more you actually go through it, and that yeah. may be you know in in the weeks to come, perhaps we'll have that conversation with some professionals about. Um, one of the ways you conquer fear is to put yourself all the way through it. Maury did. Now, he didn't do it on his own. It happened to him. But you hear him in these cuts saying, hey, I have no choice now. I know I'm going to die. I know it's going to be X amount of months. I'm able to think freely and clearly, express myself freely and clearly. There's a, The weight has mm-hmm. been lifted off of me in some ways, just as one has been put on top of me. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting and illuminating example of 
how the brain and the and the and the fear factor part of the brain works when it accepts certain parameters. Mm-hmm. So let's hope uh, with the parameters starting next time we talk to you, it'll be 2022 that we make a our, our pledge to ourselves that the things that we were afraid of in 2021, we are going to find a way to combat by thinking all the way through them or by doing the acts that make them, that mitigate them and make them less. Yeah, yeah. That would be a way, a great wish that we could have for all of you. And we do have great wishes for all of you. It's uh, uh, going to be New Year's in just a few days. I'll be at the orphanage in Haiti with our kids for New Year's, which uh, they they ring in every year by, by getting sparklers, which I always joke that in Haiti, you know, it's hard to find water. It's hard to find food. You can never find a doctor. But if I give one of our kids $10... And tell him to go out in the street. He'll come back in six minutes with 150 sparklers. <laughs> I don't know how, how, <laughs> so but funny. I can. It always happens. <laughs> and I get these sparklers, and um, we give each kid a sparkler, and they get to hold it. The little kids, of course, we do with them, and they put it into this bed of dirt, and we watch all the sparklers. You know, all 53 of the kids' sparklers, so 53 sparklers going at one time, until we uh, the last one goes out. And when the last one goes out. That means it's New Year's. And they make a wish on each one of their sparklers. And even though it's just a cheap little sparkler, and when it goes out, it's actually probably about 20 after 8 in the evening, and we tell them that's yeah. it, it's midnight. <laughs> but you would think the hope that the kids have, they, they they jump up and down when the last one goes out, and they start squealing, Happy New Year, Happy New Year, and they start Aww. singing da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> they don't know the words, but they sing the da-da-da-da. And there's such joy and optimism and such belief. And you realize we are made of that at some point in our lives. We are like that at some point in our lives. Yeah. We have to find more of that. They're not afraid of the new year coming. They're, they're, they can't wait. And we have to yeah. find our way back to that kind of thing. Not to, not to dread, but to anticipate with great excitement. And that's what they mm-hmm. do. And that's what we wish for all of you for this new year and this podcast. So, Thank you for joining us here. A happy, happy new year. And we look forward to seeing you in 2022. Our website is wetuesdaypeople.com. All the information on the show and past shows and discussion groups is there. Lisa, have a happy new year and a safe new year. To you too. On the other side. And until we do, this is Mitch Album, your host, saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.